0: I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today on Fifth Emission, Congress is on the brink of passing an historic $2 trillion stimulus package to deal with the lingering economic effects of the coronavirus. That could mean cash payments to individuals, more unemployment insurance benefits, and loans for big and small businesses. Joining me today to talk about all the action going on in Washington is our reporter out there, Dustin Gardner. Dustin, thanks for taking a break from all the stuff that's going on in Washington to be with us. We're about ready to see Congress agree, it appears, on a $2 trillion stimulus plan, the biggest in American history. What does this plan do?
1: This plan has so many things. And at this point, a lot of members of Congress are just trying to figure out all exactly what's in here. Um but a couple of high points that most people will want to know about, this does include the $1,200 checks that people have been hearing a lot about. These are checks that individuals could get um, maybe in about a month and a half or two months. Um, and currently the check is set, um, it's it's $1,200 per individual um, who for someone who is making $75,000. And then the amount decreases Um, by income above that and and then completely phases out um, for anyone that's making more than $99,000 a year. And it also includes an extra $500 per child. Um, And then in addition to those individual payments, the bill includes a $500 billion fund for businesses to request loans and assistance um, to help get through the crisis. And then a couple other uh, just quick high points there. This greatly expands unemployment insurance. Workers will have an additional 13 weeks, an extra $600 per week. Um, there's a huge portion of the bill that includes additional funding um, for hospitals and community health centers, um, community um, health departments. That's $130 billion. This is the the Marshall Plan for hospitals, as some Democrats have called it. Um, so that's just a couple of the quick high points.
0: And this is this is available to anyone in America, right, regardless of whether you're in a state that is currently sheltered in
1: place. Yeah, this is everywhere, regardless of whether you're in one of those hot spots we've heard so much about.
0: It, it seems to me uh, that this is yet another example of how it's really difficult for the federal government to take into a f- uh, account Cost of living, Um, you know, I I find it to be. You know, I I think we probably have more people who make above seventy five thousand dollars in the Bay Area, but are still struggling to survive. Was that ever a a factor in this negotiation, or was it really rushed just to get money in the hands of people who are hurting right now?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I was talking with Congressman Ro Khanna from the Bay Area. He represents a lot of Silicon Valley, and that was one of his biggest criticisms of this whole bill: is that it's not adjusted for the, the median income in any area of the, of the country. So people in the Bay Area are going to benefit a lot less um, than others might. Um, he, you know, for example, Roe he. Was pushing for assistance of up to two thousand dollars per month, and not just a you know one-time check. He wanted this to go on for for six months um, potentially, and he wanted the income limits to be probably about double that, if not more, um, to accommodate people in his district. And you know, in his words, he's saying seventy-five thousand dollars, and then you start to phase it out. That's someone in his district, given the cost of housing and all the other expenses. That's a lot of people are still going to be hurting with much higher incomes than that um, so that was definitely a big sticking point for Democrats and I think we might see in in future um, stimulus legislation there's likely to be a follow-up bill th- that there could be an effort to expand that
0: I think everybody the question everybody really wants to know is how do they get this money is it just going to come in the mail do you have to apply
1: for it what what are what's that so the details of that it hasn't The government hasn't said quite how they're going to do it yet, so a lot of people are eager to get those details, but it's not expected to be something that people have to apply for. It would be based on 2018 income tax returns. And most likely, this would be a check that would just be deposited into your bank account.
0: Wow, that's a, that's incredible. This this agreement is coming on the hills of a, a pretty brief but very nasty partisan fight between Senate Republicans and Democrats. And, and specifically, even though this was playing out in the Senate um House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was being blamed for delaying the vote for several days. What was that? What were their disagreements and, and how did they overcome them?
1: Yeah, this this package, this package, this deal came together after um, Democrats in the Senate had several times rejected Mitch um, uh, Republican leader Mitch McConnell's effort to push a, a different variation of the bill to a vote. Um, and a lot of the vitriol was focused on Nancy Pelosi. A lot of Republicans were going to the Senate floor and saying, you know, we had a deal. And then Nancy Pelosi came back to town from San Francisco and it all fell apart. And, it, you know, as far as I can tell, that wasn't exactly true. There were a lot of Senate, de- Senate Democrats who were also not on board with the, the original proposal by Senate Republicans. Um, and the biggest sticking point really was this $500, f- 500 billion dollar fund that would provide loans and assistance to businesses and corporations. And for Democrats, the biggest sticking point seemed to be that they felt like there wasn't enough oversight of that fund. They were very afraid to have a repeat of the 2008 um, financial crisis when Congress gave out a lot of aid to corporations, uh, loans to corporations without a lot of strings attached. And so Democrats did push pretty hard over the last couple of days and succeeded in getting some strings attached to money that is loaned from this fund, money that is loaned out um, per, per this new agreement. there It will be immediately announced and publicly disclosed. And Democrats also um, succeeded in getting um, a, an inspector general I- included in the bill. This would be someone who would basically audit and oversee how this money is doled out and how
0: how has the 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 speaker how has Nancy Pelosi reacted to being you know once again the sort of boogeyman in these negotiations
1: you know the speaker really has has played it cool she has not engaged in a lot of back and forth on this she has just really kind of been focused on what democrats priorities have been um, aside from this compromise bill, which will be the bill that will get a, a vote in the Senate likely today and then should be in the House within a day or two for a final vote there before it goes to the president's desk. Um, but aside from all this, Democrats put forth their own bill in the House, which was kind of like their kind of uh, point of a rallying cry for for House Democrats that had all the sort of progressive goals that they wanted. And Pelosi used that as sort of a vehicle to it seems pressure the Senate and say, if you don't make some significant changes, we're, we're not going to get on board and we're going to push our own bill in the house. And And her biggest focus really has been on, on two things in this final agreement. I talked about um, the oversight of loans to corporations, assistance to corporations. That was a big one, but two other big ones were this um, $130 billion mar- Marshall plan for hospitals community health departments. She pushed really hard on that. And also the expansion of unemployment benefits. This is a massive expansion. I mentioned that um, it would increase in unemployment payments for up to 13 weeks for people who lose their jobs as a result of this outbreak. But in addition to that, there's also some significant changes in the criteria for who who can apply for unemployment. Um, it's been Democrats pushed really hard And they got those rules changed to include people who um, don't have traditional jobs like gig workers or freelancers. And obviously, that affects a lot of people, especially in California's economy, people like Lyft or Uber drivers or many others that don't have traditional employers in that sense.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I have a lot of questions about the balance between... um, so helping and, and assisting big, big businesses, major corporations, when we know that some of the hardest hit places in the Bay Area are going to be very small businesses, restaurants, corner bookstores, all of these retail um, places that were struggling long before the coronavirus outbreak and will be probably going out of business. How How, how do they get helped in this bill?
1: Yeah, so included in that $500 billion fund for businesses is also loans for small businesses, and members of both parties have been very supportive of that. The, le- the more controversial aspect has been that piece um, for corporations that want to take out loans. But Democrats have said, uh, even with that available fund, there still hasn't been enough for a lot of small businesses. And some of them are pushing for, in a potential fourth package, to do things like, you um, prevent uh, in, any mortgage payments or um, rent payments for a lot of small businesses like restaurants or dry cleaners or others that are really getting hit probably the hardest uh, out of any business in, in, in all of this.
0: I'm speaking to Washington reporter Dustin Gardner. We'll be right back after this. Dustin, before we went to break, we were talking about the $2 trillion stimulus bill, but you've also been writing a lot about the specific aid disaster packages. Trump was promising one thing and um, making public declarations. And as your story pointed out this week, it turns out that not all of those actually came through. Tell us where we are with with that disaster aid.
1: Yeah, so the president announced Sunday that he would be approving these disaster declarations for um, California, Washington, New York, the the three states hit the hardest in all of this. Um, But what the president didn't mention when he made that announcement, um, and the White House later clarified, was that he he only approved a piece of what the states are asking for. He didn't approve. um, For example, they had requested things like expanded food stamps, more unemployment benefits, and Trump, the only type of individual assistance he approved uh, with those declarations was for crisis counselors, um, and and there's also aid for direct aid for state, tribal, uh, and local governments. But in terms of the ind- individual assistance, money that would go directly to taxpayers, he really declined a, a lot of what the states were asking for.
0: And how did that? jibe or, or not with what the president was saying publicly that this aid bill would have?
1: You know, it, it, he made it seem like he was giving a really sweeping approval to what the states had asked for. And it was really downplayed um, and kind of papered over by the White House that he was sidestepping a, a lot of their requests. And he, the, the, the Trump administration really hasn't given much of an explanation for that. I was pressing FEMA for more details and all, all I could get was that they would say those additional requests are still under review. Um, and even Governor Gavin Newsom's office hasn't said a whole lot about what, was, what wasn't what was granted. Um, his office has been mostly focused on, you know, trying to be collaborative with the White House and, and you know, thanking Trump for, for the declaration by not emphasizing the things that were excluded. But I think um, as time goes on and the effects of this outbreak... Drag out, there'll be more pressure on the White House to revisit that and consider providing disaster aid specifically um, for individuals in the form of food stamps or unemployment benefits. Um, uh, there's additional benefits like funeral assistance or childcare assistance that, in ordinary cases, when a disaster declaration is granted, those things are usually included. Um, In this case, they weren't. The
0: national debt is something that we don't talk about a lot in our day-to-day reporting, unfortunately, I think. But we know that it's been going up over the last few years. Obviously, a $2 trillion aid package uh, is going to cost a lot of money. Has there been any discussion about how the country can continue to pay for this, particularly if this isn't the last aid bill that's needed?
1: You know, that's one of the surprising things in all of this is how little discussion the national debt has received. But maybe it's not surprising in a sense because if the economy really does sputter and that that affects tax tax revenues coming into the federal government, that we could actually be much worse off if we don't do something to um, re- revive the economy and get things going. There have been some rumblings among Senate Republicans that have questioned these un, the extension of unemployment benefits, for example that they're concerned that that these things will contribute to the national debt. But in terms of the party as a whole and, and the Congress as a whole, it really hasn't been an emphasis. And President Trump in general has not been very focused on the national debt. I mean, he talked about it in his campaign, but since coming into office... The, the debt has actually been growing at, at a much faster rate than it did during the Obama years, and it, I think it pretty much shows that it's just not a priority for, for President Trump in comparison to some of the immediate political wins he wants to get.
0: Right. And and the president this week also uh, very controversially said he expects the country to come roaring back after this, that it's just a blip. And increasingly, you're seeing a lot of discussion on social media and even on some conservative news, um, conservative talk shows, I should say, that um, maybe we just need to reopen the country and uh, come what may
1: what do what do some of the politicians you're speaking to say about this? California's delegation, <laughs> since President Trump said that early this week, California's delegation they've basically been aghast. They they think that's a terrible idea. Um, and I mentioned Rokana a, a minute ago. I was talking to him about that this morning. Um, and w- when I talked to Rokana about that this morning, he said that. He, he he doesn't think what what's being done today goes far enough. He's calling for a national shelter-in-place order. He has the support of quite a few other Democrats in the House. Um, and the concern is that we haven't hit the peak yet in in this epidemic. And you know they're saying how how can we possibly flatten the curve if we haven't peaked yet? And people are being encouraged to to get back out there to go back to work to. Go to social gatherings, and what what Roe told me was that he he thinks by the president saying this already, he the president is saying Easter or April twelfth is the day. It, but by saying this already, Rokan is afraid that that's already encouraging people who are going to the beach or going to large gatherings in parks to feel like they're maybe may entitled on some level not to heed the warnings to keep social distancing. But And and Roe's not the only one. Kamala Harris has been all over this on Twitter saying it's a terrible idea. And Democrats have really come out of the woodwork. And we had a story uh, in the paper today, um, some other reporters, that Governor Gavin Newsom is taking a very different tone on this. He's suggesting that it might be quite a bit longer, well past April, before California gets to that same place. And the White House has suggested that This what the president is suggesting for the country might not be the case in every hot spot. But I think as a whole, California officials are definitely pushing back and saying this is not the direction we need to be going.
0: Well, even some of the president's own health advisors seem to say that this is really probably not going to to happen Um, by that date. Do you think from your perch in Washington that a national shelter-in-place order is even possible or likely at this point?
1: Given what the president has said this week, the idea of that happening nationally, I don't think it's even feasible just given how much he seems to be motivated by the stock market and in pushing for some kind of immediate rebound there. It doesn't seem attainable, but it's the same time, there really hasn't been widespread testing in a lot of the country, even in some of the hotspot areas, there hasn't been a lot of widespread testing. And we see, you know, almost every other day, we have another co- member of Congress or two who test positive for the virus. So I think right now, it doesn't seem feasible. But it. it th- when testing gets more widespread, that could change rapidly if people get a, a better sense of just what the infection rate is.
0: Dustin, anything else you want to say about what's happening in, in Washington right now?
1: What, one other really interesting bill I've been following, um, G- Representative Jackie Spear from the Bay Area, and all of this, she has really zeroed in on the cruise industry. Um, and first of all, their, their role um, in terms of not having maybe the strongest public health standards and start helping to, you know, spread the virus in some cases. But she's also been focused on um, just the whole uh, bailout effort with the stimulus bill and the concerns that the cruise industry and other what you might call non-essential industries could benefit from this. And she's pushing for some pretty strong safeguards that would require some of these cruise lines to provide for stronger environmental regulations, better better labor uh, regulations, wages for their workers, um, and better health and safety standards overall. Um, so th- that'll be another really interesting one to follow is just how much um, the cruise industry, which is very visible in California obviously, uh, how much oversight they come and how how successful she might be in putting a new spotlight on them.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of things that are going to be interesting when Congress comes um, back and starts discussing how to prevent this in the future. Dustin Gardner, thank you for being with me today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I'd like to thank Dustin Gardner for being with me. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pod.